Cincinnati Bengals get to their bye week at three and three on the backs of a very impressive second half in particular from this defense that showed some things that might mean they've returned to form. But more important, three and three into the bye. Let's get into it. You are locked on Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake Lisko. He's your host James Rapine. We'll have you covered here on Lockdown Bengals every day this season, including in the bye week. The Bengals get to that bye at three and three. Big, big win for this team, even if it was a bit ugly and a bit anxiety-inducing for many Bengals fans. We're going to get into that in and we'll this have some episode. Special guests during the bye. Don't forget to that tease that. Hope. Some special I was going to. No, no hope. It's happening. Reality. Breaking news. But we're not going to tell you who. Go ahead, Jake. I, I was. I, our subtext subscribers might already know, by the way. So <laughs> anyway, we're, we're going to get into this monumental, I would say, win for the Bengals, who have three wins against the NFC West this year and zero wins against the AFC, which is not like the way you would like that's what to go, but, you know. You take the three wins where you can get them. This episode of Lockdown Bengals is brought to you by the Game Time app, where you can create an account, and use code Lockdown NFL to get twenty dollars off your first purchase of last minute tickets for the lowest price guaranteed. And James, let's get into this one. This was a game much like last week that the Bengals needed to win. If you're two and four at the bye, your playoff chances, your margin for error the rest of the way is razor thin. And now we're talking about like. Instead of razor thin, the space between your couch and the wall, there's not much space, but there's more space than there is between razors, right? There's a little bit more margin for error. They needed to get this win to get to 500. Yeah, it was huge. And that's it's a perfect place to start because I think how the game went, some will let that make them feel differently about this team. But I, I think if the Bengals were a bad team, they would have lost on Sunday. I think it's really, really hard to win in certain situations. And in one of those situations is your offense doesn't move the ball at all ever. Right. And so they overcame that in the fact that they're three and three, despite big questions over the past six weeks about their offense or their defense at various points of the past six weeks, I think you take it and you feel pretty good about it. You keep pace in the AFC North with uh, the, the Browns, obviously upsetting the 49ers and then the Ravens winning in a, an ugly game in London. I don't know why they would ever send that game overseas, but it, uh, it it's exactly what they needed. They can rest some some injuries and, and nurse some of those injuries and hopefully be close to, to full strength coming back from the bye. Yeah, a number of guys playing through injuries in this game, and as far as I know, and, and you don't ever really know for sure, there were no additional injuries accumulated by the Bengals in this game. Joe Burrow appears to have gotten through this pivotal week to get into that bye week with rest without aggravating that calf further. T Higgins got through the game. He was definitely limited on a snap count a little bit. Cheeto, uh, Chidobe Abuse also seemed to be on a snap count. 
and, and seemed a little bit limited with the back, particularly visible on the go ball where Tyler Lockett gets behind him. You could tell he was laboring, and, and those guys get a chance to get back to full health. Jermaine Pratt, I, I think, has been very tough and is playing through that shoulder injury that he sustained last week. There were a few times that I noticed him being a little bit ginger getting up, and he tweeted about it, time to get healthy uh, in the bye week, which makes me suspect further that he's been playing through something as well and, mm-hmm. and getting him healthy, getting all these guys a chance to recover. You always talk about this during the bye week. I, I guess it's a bit of a broken record, but it does feel like this year with Burrow's calf, with, with Cheeto, with T, it is coming at a good time. No doubt. And the other one I want to mention, Orlando Brown Jr., the, yes. rook, the groin. He suffered it against Tennessee, and it was just kind of minor, a tweak. They were able to to rest it throughout the week. He was limited, and then he played against Arizona. It seemed fine, was a full participant all week, but we'll see. I, I haven't been able to talk to Orlando. He wasn't in the locker room when I was. Uh, hopefully it's nothing too serious, and if it's you know just a, another minor thing, he has an extra week to, to rest it. So that's the other injury, but – Let's uh let's get to this game, Jake. And it was sort of a tale of two halves, uh, at least for one of the units. The other, this defense, outside of the opening drive, I thought they they were pretty buttoned up, and they still gave up big plays. They were weren't perfect by any stretch. But if you would have told me that the Seahawks were going to have eight downs inside the ten, inside of three minutes or whatever it was, three and a half minutes to go, and they come up with zero points, I mean. Just wild that they they forced two, four, fourth down turnovers. And, uh, man, this defense, they deserve a ton of praise. And specifically, the defensive line on those two drives for just wrecking Geno Smith's world, wrecking the Seattle offense, and keeping them out of the end zone. Yeah, there are a ton of guys you could call out for individual performances in this game. Could start, could start with Cam Taylor-Britt, not one of those defensive linemen. You could certainly start with any of the four starting defensive linemen. You could start with Cam Sample, who had three very clutch plays that we can talk about. We can go through each one of these guys, I think, because each of them had big plays. You could even talk about Dax Hill, who had uh, a near game-winning pick. Doesn't quite yeah. make the catch, but breaks up the pass. Is a, a pivotal part of getting off the field in another spot where he's coming on a blitz to get to Geno Smith to force a bad throw. So Dax Hill, I think, had a couple of interesting blitzes that, that led to some failed plays for the Seattle defense in this game, or Seattle offense in this game. But the 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 step back is kind of – defense always a team thing. So, you know, you talk about the defensive line getting all these sacks and everything. Well, it's changing the picture, I think, on Geno Smith and some of that Lou Rumo magic showing up a little mm-hmm. bit too. To me – Geno Smith, when he was able to go to his first read in this game, he was really good. When he was able to just be like, this is what I think I have. Okay, this is what I have. I'm going to rip it to where I think the ball should go. I'm getting confirmation from pre to post snap that this is that I've diagnosed this correctly. I can get the ball out. I think that version of the Seattle offense is really good. And when you compare the overall numbers, 381 yards for the Seahawks, 24 first downs for the Seahawks, looks like they had a pretty good game. But but when they were able to change the picture on Smith, make him process, make him get to his second read, more often than not, he was making mistakes. He was putting the ball in danger, and that was giving the Bengals defensive line, additionally, that chance to get home and pile up those sacks. And it was really everybody. It was DJ Reader taking away step-up lanes and, and directly leading to sacks. But Sam Hubbard, I think, maybe had 
the best game of his, his his year, certainly. Maybe the best game of his career. It'll be interesting to go back and watch on tape, but certainly popped with a lot of very big plays against a limited right tackle for the Seahawks. Trey Hendrickson made his presence felt. B.J. Hill had a couple big plays as well, working against a rookie right guard. Some Some really standout performances from that defensive line. No doubt. And the last play, the Sam Hubbard, B.J. Hill stunt that, that ends the game. Hubbard said that Hill came up to him and, and said, hey, let's do this. Nice. And fourth and eight, game on the line, maybe season on the line. Like it's that kind of thing where you've been on the field a ton. They're right there. And B.J. Hill, they ran the stunt. Hubbard agreed. By the way, five quarterback hits. Just it's a lot, man. Geno Smith. Where and part of he's got a 94 jersey on right now from all those hits. There's an imprint at least, maybe no jersey. But uh BJ Hill gets there and and makes the play. And whew, that's the type of defense. Th- this is the unit that I think we expected to see. And that doesn't mean that we we didn't think that there was going to be some deep balls, downfield plays with a new look secondary, certainly a new look back end in that safety room. And so this is a huge, huge step, I think, for this group. And not that they were never not confident, but this is a good Seahawks team. I, I'm I'm impressed by them. I, I think they're they're talented. They're solid all around. And, and so the fact that the Bengals were able to, and, and that's what I meant by them figuring out a way to win this game mm-hmm. despite not playing even good at times. I mean, there were times when it was not. And, and, and they found a way to win, and I think that's what good teams do. So the defense deserves – a ton of credit for for that and in holding the fort down especially late in the game and really all second half six points total in the second half four red zone trips the seahawks got three points and, like, and that's, that's the key unbelievable it is yeah. the red zone stuff let's dive into that a little bit more because it wasn't all perfect on defense there, there's some things certainly that they need to work on both sides of the ball obviously they'll always say that we'll always say that but we can <laughs> talk about what went right in the red zone and some of the things that they can work on coming up next Today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Game Time app, who knows that you should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to the next Bengals game that you want to attend or to whatever next event you have planned, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater. Game Time has last minute deals, all in prices. You can see the view from the seats you're going to buy in the app, and their best price guarantee is fantastic. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I love being able to see the view from my seats before I buy them. That's a feature that I highly value in any app from which I ever look to buy tickets. That's why I love game time. In addition to that best price guarantee, where if you find tickets in the same section and row for less elsewhere, you're going to get a hundred ten percent of that difference refunded to you. So you can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. You can download the app, create an account, use promo code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Some terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on NFL, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off with the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and they are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. How does it work? Well, instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you watch the winnings roll in. For example, you may think that Joe Burrow you take the 
the more than on his touchdown passes. And if it's at one and a half, well, he threw for two today. So guess what? That would be one of those wins for you. You pick two to six players and you can turn $10 into 250 with just a few taps. And the thing is, it's really, really simple. You can make your picks and play in 60 seconds or less. Make sure you check out prize picks and all of their different promotions, including Taco Tuesday. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, it's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a free or a first deposit match up to $100. Red zone was the difference in this game. The Bengals mm-hmm. offense in the second half, and we'll get to the offense. They started great. It went off the rails pretty quick, but the Bengals defense stepped up in the red zone huge. The Seahawks went 51 yards on their first drive in the second half after Joe Burrow threw that interception to start the Bengals second half. And then you get the Mike Hilton pick in the red zone, third down, second down. Sorry, it wasn't a third down, second down play. Jackson Smith and Jigba running across the formation, running a little slot fade. We talked about the slot fade the last couple of weeks. This time, Mike Hilton tracks that well. Pick, teach tape. Next drive, you get a 23-yard field goal. When when you can force a team to take a field goal from the 23-yard line, you've got a great defensive stop in the red zone. Next drive, not not a red zone stop, but they get another pick. That's the game Taylor Britt. That's the Cam Taylor-Britt interception, which set up the the field goal that ultimately won them the game. Right. Cam Taylor-Britt single-handedly, and and a decision to punt that we can talk about, single-handedly accounts for three points in the Bengals' favor. And then they get the two straight stops in the red zone on downs to end the game. That is some clutch, clutch defense in the second half. They did give up yards between the 20s. There's still some tackling stuff with Kenneth Walker. We talked about that all week. That was an issue at times. Kenneth Walker is really good at not getting tackled. Yeah, he is. There there was some issues with backside contain at times. I thought their play-action defense was much better this week. I thought that was a huge step in the right direction. A lot more discipline there. There were some backside cuts in the first half of the run game that were problematic. So there's some things to clean up. The second-string defensive line, the second-string interior defensive line leaves much to be desired, quite frankly. But they, they got the stops in the red zone with those guys. They're paying a lot of money to that they've invested so much in. And, and they're getting those guys to step up in the red zone. This was emblematic of what we're used to from the Bengals last year, where they're making the plays and they needed to make plays on defense. And they did it today. Yeah. And let's talk about Cam Taylor Britt a little bit because we discussed that interception. Cam is the man. Cam is the man because he brings so much energy and attitude and this guy's given up at least five inches to DK Metcalf, maybe a little bit more. Like I, I would have to see him to make sure, probably maybe six. Like they, he's given up some size to DK Metcalf. And this dude was the aggressor. This guy was trying to bully him. He was getting him frustrated, get draws the penalty on him, which by the way, DK is going to get fined for that one. He's going to lose a little bit of money. I mean, he shoved, I, I can't believe he did that. Like that was so blatant. And um, and then he gets the pick as well. Did give up uh, the one play to DK. You take that all day long. Someone that's going to battle, and DK finishing with sixty something yards, no touchdowns. The the pass breakup. When I think about the turning point for the the Bengals defense, Jake, 
they give up that really long drive. It might have been Cam because they throw the deep ball to DK. And I thought DK caught it. I mean, it's right in his bread basket. And Cam just grabs his arm and puts all of his body weight on it. Says, I'm going to separate you from this ball. And, and he does. And the Bengals get off the field. Like that's, to me, a, a really huge play. Um, but overall, I, I thought Cam Taylor Britt falling out. I love it. And, and I love that he was up to, to the challenge. Not that I ever questioned that, but we've never really seen him have to go toe-to-toe with a guy like DK. By the way, he also had a great pass breakup against Tyler Lockett in one of those red zone uh, situations. I think Mike Hilton had the interception right after. I, I want to say on the next down, I might be wrong about that. Um, maybe that was the field goal. Maybe that forced the field goal. But either way, huge, huge play. Yeah, doing it against two very different kinds of receivers, right? Yeah, you talked very about different. Yeah. knowing what kind of receiver Tyler Lockett is, playing very physical with him on the sideline in the red zone to, to work around or through or whatever, played physical at the catch point, gets a pass break up there, that had the interception that you talked about, which is just a great recognition play. DK Metcalf breaks off his route, but but aware of the ball in the air, makes a diving catch, gets great yards after the interception. And this came after, I thought, a pretty bad decision to punt the ball, but perhaps that should just tell us how not confident, what's the word I want? Unconfident? There's a word for not being confident, right? Lacking confidence? They, they didn't have confidence in their offense, I think, at that point in the game. To, I mean, they had they had fourth and half a yard at like the 44-and-a-half-yard line. They punted away. In a vacuum, this is a bad decision, and I think it is a bad decision. But this could be to do with Orlando Brown not finishing the game with his groin injury. But immediately after that, Cam Taylor-Britt, with that return, puts the Bengals into field goal range, where subsequently Joe Burrow misses three straight throws. And I think Joe Burrow missed all three of those throws, and they have to settle for a field goal. But Cam Taylor-Britt directly puts three points on the board there with, with great awareness. He did have a couple plays where, you know, he missed his jam on DK, and, and DK Metcalf got, got behind him for a, an explosive play at one point in the game. He tried to gamble on a pass breakup. He missed. DK Metcalf gets yards after the catch there. That's a play that, think back to his rookie year, Luana Rumo said, I'm going to tell him, that, you know, I told him never to do that again. And he did it again where, you know, he laid out for the ball in front of him and there's nobody yeah. behind. And so the yards after catch occurred. But he was targeted a ton in this game. And when you get, what, two, three pass breakups to go along with an interception with the amount of volume that he saw in this game, I think that Cam Taylor-Britt played a really nice football game today, and I agree with that praise. Dax Hill talked about him as well, talked about his big plays, continues to show up, I think, in some big spots and, and continues to grow into his role. Anyone else on the defense that we need to make sure? Oh, Cam Sample, man. Yeah. Cam Sample had three third down plays in this game where he's lined up at three tech because they're still trying to figure out who their third down pass rushing unit is. Maybe Coach that's who it is. Maybe and that's who it is. Working against a right guard who is playing left guard today for Damian Lewis, who didn't play. Sample had two third downs where he gets immediate pressure. One of them, I think he finishes with the sack. Another one, he gets a pressure that forces an incomplete pass. He had a, a hustle pressure on another play. Three crucial plays in this game where Cam Sample is getting the pressure to force a negative for the Seahawks. So shout out Cam Sample as well for being that guy, that rotational piece on the defensive line that showed up in this game because they need those backups to show up. Yeah. And last one, DJ reader, the penalty on him, I thought was bad, just bad. Yeah. I mean, he, he just ran through Gino. I don't, I don't know what else he was supposed to do. Uh, so I, I just figured I would mention that. And uh, the penalty on Dax Hill was the right call. 
So there's there's two. Because it's just helmet to helmet. I mean, it yeah. stinks. It stinks. I hate yep. it. But nothing. Just can't go leave with a kind of your helmet. And he did. And he didn't. He didn't even leave with it. It's just the way that it ended no, up. That was the well, first time. Well, how he tackled him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was, like, deliberately doing it. He was just making a tackle. But the way the receiver fell, like, they're going to call that. Like, it's just – it is yeah. what it is. So, tough one of two guys. I had an issue with. Yeah, it's a tough play for him, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm just the way that Burrow was getting hit and they weren't calling those fouls. I was surprised with the DJ Reader flag in juxtaposition. Right. That was rough. Coming up you next, let's talk more else. about this offense. Joe Burrow started the game hot. This offense came out on fire, didn't finish that way. Let's break that down a little bit to finish the show. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs knows that these days, every potential new hire can feel like a high stakes wage for your small business. And that's why they're great for small businesses who want to be 100% certain that they have access to the best qualified candidates available. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I know as a job seeker, when I've been seeking jobs in the past, LinkedIn is always one of the first stops for me in looking for jobs. And they have great tools for people that are looking to hire, like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you'd like to interview. You don't have to waste time and get those hires in the door. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by Schultz Jewelers. Schultz Jewelers is the place to go right now, people. Holidays right around the corner, just over two months away. And so if you're looking for, I don't know, maybe a chain, let's start with the chain, like that Jamar Chase chain that we saw on Sunday. Well, Schultz Jewelers is going to be able to put together that custom piece for you, whether it's something that implies that you're always open like Jamar Chase, or maybe you're looking for that perfect diamond ring for your fiance. Schultz Jewelers is going to make sure that their customers see their vision brought to life and that your budget stays intact. They're a modern jewelry store. So they have unique custom designs and they are going to make sure they can find you that perfect diamond without hurting your wallet. So check them out, by the way. Shout out to Matt Schultz. He's a diehard Bengals fan. Schultz Jewelers has been in business for more than 70 years and you could find them at 2202 Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell, just five minutes from the bridge into Kentucky, Check them out online as well at schulzdiamonds.com. That's schultzdiamonds.com. We know the Bengals strive for perfection. Schultz Jewelers does too, because when it has to be perfect, it has to be Schultz Jewelers. The Bengals offense started this game perfect. They did not finish this game they? perfect. Ooh, 13 plays. They were on fire, on fire, Jake. Like NFL blitz on fire. They in were the first couple drops. They were 13 plays, 69 yards on that first drive of the game. They did get a fourth down conversion, a neutral zone infraction. I wonder if they were actually going to snap that ball. But early in the game, one of my early notes in this game, Joe Burrow at home, his cadence is a weapon. Got the Seahawks to jump off sides a couple of times. They got a defensive pass interference off of it once. They got that uh, fourth down conversion. They got a deep ball to chase where Joe Burrow was just like, okay, I've got a free play. I'm going to throw it up to Jamar. Cadence was a weapon early. First drive, 13 plays, 69 yards. Second drive, seven plays, 73 yards. Even their third drive, 
they immediately get a seven yard gain into a first down into an efficient first down play for five yards to get into a second and five. And, and then Burrow has to check it down eventually to Tyler Boyd on that third down. He's a yard short and the rest of the way. It was, it was rough. They, they got some yards at the start of that drive to finish the first half to try to get some points. And, and sorry, no, they didn't. They, they, that's the one where Burrow missed chase. And this is when the erratic accuracy sort of began. And then T Higgins had the ball knocked away from him. And, and then they had that crazy scramble from Burrow where he's sprinting backwards to try to buy time and ends up checking down to Drew Sample. So the good mm-hmm. news is, is that Burrow looks like he can move. The bad news is, is that from here out, he was erratic. Protection was, I thought, pretty good in this game for the most part, but they did have a couple of issues at times. I don't really blame the offensive line for that too much. Volson did lose one one-on-one. Other than that, they had like a protection call issue, I think, for one of the sacks. But whatever it was, Burrow, I think, was not good in the second half. Whether that is the the play selection, whether that was Seattle's adjustments, whether there was something bar- bothering Burrow, whether he got sped up, I don't know what it was, but his accuracy just wasn't there in the second half. And I think it's probably as simple as that. We'll have to see when we get to look at the tape. But it felt like Burrow was just missing throws. Sure, and he was. It's crazy because in the first half, it looked like it was going to be one of those games. He had completed 15 straight at one point, was 17 of 19. And one of those was a drop by Mixon on third down that led to them getting the the fourth down conversion with the the offside. So yeah, I think it's um, it, it's it's wild because I would I wouldn't have guessed. I was like, man, Burrow's cooking. He's going to keep cooking. Even after the interception, I thought so, and uh, that you know that he would figure it out and and they would get get going as an offense. And they just never did, never ever. And I I wonder what it is if. If something was bothering him, the good news is he has two weeks or, or, an, or a week of relaxation. Um, and at the same time, I think what he said after the game is kind of where his head is, is they have to improve. They have to get better. He was clearly frustrated afterwards. It felt he said he wasn't going to apologize for a win, but it certainly didn't feel like they won. Like he wasn't smiling much. I tried to joke with him a little bit like I normally do, especially after wins. And there, it was just it wasn't there at the level it normally is. So I think he was pretty frustrated. And I heard one of him tell one of his teammates, I don't want to say who, but offensive starter, dapped him up afterwards. He just changed or and was fully getting dressed. And he's like, we have to be better. And like he, he was dead serious. And, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think that that's, there's a benefit to that because obviously we haven't seen the best of Joe Burrow yet. And they were still able to get to three and three. And now he gets a, an, a, the bye week to rest, reset, and hopefully we see the best of him and, and, and see his game reach a level that we maybe we've never seen before in the second half of the season. Yeah, he's got to be better. This entire offense has to be better. The run game, for as little as they ran it today when they did run it, Not good. it was it was frustrating. It was frustrating for, for much of the game. They were they were they had 13 running back carries for 42 yards. And that's Chase Brown with one carry, Joe Mixon with 12 carries, just doing some quick math there on running back carries. That's 3.23 yards per carry. The longest run they had in this game was five yards. Yep. And there were some chances for Joe Mixon to look like, man, if he could just keep his feet, there was, there was one or two explosive runs there that he just couldn't quite hit. 
but they, they need to get a little bit more out of the running game. 3.23 yards per carry, whatever I just said, is not efficient. No. They need to at least be efficient there if they're if they're gonna find some some balance on offense. And I did think they ran the ball in early downs quite a bit early in this game. And then you look at the weapons, and congratulations, Andre Yosevash, for his first touchdown. This was a great play for Yoshi that we can talk about too. Mm-hmm. Um Tyler Boyd getting involved early, but they need someone besides Jamar Chase to be more than just I can catch a ball when it hits me in the hands and then I'm going to get tackled right away. They need somebody yeah. else to, to do a little bit more creating with the football, winning more of those 50, 50 opportunities when they present themselves need to be more reliable, catching the football and, and Burrow needs to be better too. This isn't to excuse Burrow, but they need to find ways to get the rest of the skill group more productive than they've been. Um, because Jamar chase is great. And I, and I love living and dying with Jamar Chase. Oh, I don't love dying with Jamar Chase. Uh, but when the, when the offense goes through him, sure, it, it can look really well, good. But they need something from the rest of these guys that we talked up all offseason. Well, no doubt. And that's why this buy is huge, obviously, for T. But even with that, even if T gets back to 100%, you need more out of the running back room, more out of the tight end room. And, and I think that's sort of why the, the buy comes at a good time is we can evaluate it. We can have some guests on that can evaluate it and discuss it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier. I'm going to quote brother. It's a lot easier to, to discuss the adjustments that they might need to make after a win versus us talking about a two and four team, because this show, this entire show feels much, much different. If Geno Smith finds Jackson Smith and Jigba for a touchdown with 40 seconds left. Oh yeah. I'm making bad jokes. I'm not making bad jokes on this show. If they're not three and three right now, come on. Uh, Andre Yosevash play just before we get out of here real quick. And and maybe we'll have time to talk about this later in the week as well. But this is pretty simple to me. They run a play action play that's designed for Yoshi to sit in behind the, the linebackers that they're hoping to get sucked up by the run fake. But Jamal Adams gets a really good jam on him. So when Burrow comes out of that run fake, there's nothing really there, but it's protected beautifully. I mean, nobody is close to Burrow. Nobody. Lot, yeah. And the pocket is like maybe two yards deep from the line of scrimmage. He has tons of space from which to operate before there's a Seattle player. So Burrow recognizing that the initial play design is jammed out of existence for Yosevash, he starts drifting to his left. Yoshi identifies this and with great awareness for a rookie, I thought, gets into the scramble drill with Burrow, tries to stay in phase with Burrow, sprints toward the sideline on the left side of the offense gets wide open. Burrow hits him for an easy touchdown. I thought just an impressive awareness play for the rookie and, and great for Joe Burrow as well to recognize that it was Yoshi's first NFL touchdown and go to get him that ball. No doubt. No, a huge play for, for Yoshi. And look, everything this coaching staff has told us about him and in the players in the locker room that that fits and he's hit the ground running good for him. And, uh, Smart, smart by Joe Burrow to go get that ball. I know uh, Andre got a game ball and he has that ball. So he has two balls to uh, either put on his mantle or give to his family. Good for him. They'll they'll need some more from him, potentially, the way we're talking about the, the, the skill group. And they clearly have some stuff designed for him, which I think is pretty interesting. Like that play was designed for him. They've probably had that and been, have been waiting to call that for quite a while. There's plenty more to dive into. 
We'll get into some film review. We'll talk about some trends from the first six games of the season. Like James said, we'll have some guests on this week. So make sure you don't turn us off just because the Bengals are off this week. We're going to have a lot of really cool stuff happening with great guests to talk about the first six weeks of the season here and what we can expect going forward for these Cincinnati Bengals. Until then, the Bengals are three and three. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.